Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. A milestone for Rocket Lab. After the space startup successfully launched its small electron rocket for the first time from U.S. soil. Three, one. The mission, Virginia is for launch lovers, lifted off from NASA's flight facility on Wallops Island in Virginia, delivering to orbit three radio frequency monitoring satellites for Hawkeye 360, another startup and a manifest space guest. Peter Beck says it's just the beginning. For the longest time, there's always been this promise, right, where um, you know this demand was going to come. And uh, when you see large corporations like Amazon and Apple and, uh, and, and so on and so forth, it's very, very clear that these are mission-driven applications that actually need to get built. Gone are the days of the, the, the promise, and now it's, it's, as it always has been in our view, it's all about execution. I spoke with Beck, Rocket Lab CEO and founder, fresh off the launch, about the launch business, the space stock sell-off, and even Venus. I'm Morgan Brennan, and this is Manifest Space. Well, Peter, thanks so much for joining me today, and congratulations, since I know you were freshly off this successful launch, your first from U.S. soil. I guess just walk me through um, the launch and why it is so meaningful to Rocket Lab. Yeah, no, thanks very much. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, this is our first launch off, uh, off our LC2 pad in Wallops Island, Virginia. And I guess that's, uh, that's important because we're bringing an entirely new capability to the nation. So, um, you know, we are, uh, uh, you know, the most successful small um, launcher globally, and it's great to bring that, um, you know, rapid on response, rapid response um, capability to, uh, to, to the nation and to, and to Wallops Island. How many launches do you anticipate doing from Wallops Island now versus uh, New Zealand? Is that, is that going to change dynamics and increase the cadence? Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, we'll do about 15 launches this year. I mean, we're up to, that was the 33rd launch. I mean, we'll do something in the order of, you know, four to six launches out of LC2 this year and, uh, you know, something like 15 or, or more launches uh, this year in, in total between both the launch sites. And that cadence will continue to, you know, to, to grow over time. Um, reusability. How is that process going and what can we expect in terms of next milestones around that? Yeah, so we're pretty much there on reusability. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're able to successfully re-enter the rocket uh, pretty much every time now. Uh, reusable rockets are coming down the production line as standard items. So every kind of two or three are, are reusable vehicles. And uh, we'll look to close out the last part of our reusability program where we actually catch this thing under a helicopter. Um, uh, you know, obviously this year, and, and it'll become standard operation um, this year as well. So, uh, yep, though the reusability program in Electron is, uh, is is drawing to a conclusion. And then, of course, you're continuing to develop Neutron, which is your medium-lift rocket. Uh, updates yeah. there? Yeah, so that, that program's coming along well. So you, you can probably see some images of giant tanks, giant composite tanks coming together, um, you know, first engine component um, hot fires and whatnot. Uh, so we're looking to get that on the pad uh, still by the end of 24. And um, yeah, that, that will be a significant, um, a significant milestone and also uh, significant capability uh, as we look to, um, we look to you know, provide a really competitive launch vehicle for that uh, medium to, to heavy class. And I guess just walk me through the economics. 
uh, of the small rocket, the electron that's you know currently uh, in in use and service versus what medium lift is going to bring to the game for Rocket Lab. Yeah, well, you can think about launches kind of bisecting into two two segments. Um, one, you've got uh, you know medium to heavy lift, which is uh, you know useful for things like human spaceflight and large constellation buildouts. Then you have the small side where um, Electron serves, um, where, where you have you know small dedicated satellites that can't you know it's, it's not financially viable for them to ride on a, on a big rocket as a rideshare because they don't get to go where they need to go to actually provide a commercial service. So that that's the niche they fill. So between Electron and Neutron, we address something like ninety percent of all of the launch um, requirements out there. And if we look at you know, what's happening in the industry, you've got uh, a lot of large constellations coming to market in that sort of 25 to 27 timeframe. And uh, you know, th th there is a, a massive deficit of launch around that, around that timeframe. So we think the timing for, for Neutron is good and uh, Electron continues to be you know, the preferred and stable small launcher um, globally. Yeah, I've had this conversation with uh... Other folks uh, in the industry, um, Tori Bruno over at ULA, for example, uh, yeah. just a couple of weeks ago, the fact that we've gone from this environment where there was uh, too much supply to now not enough supply for all of the all the demand that is uh, coming online over these next couple of years, that is you know essentially just a, for lack of a better term, it was like explosion of satellite yeah. constellations that now need to we, go to space. We don't like to use that word in this in this industry. I know. I, just, I couldn't think of a better, more dramatic word. <laughs> um, a, a flurry, a flurry yes, of satellite right. constellations, thousands and thousands of satellites that now need to go to space. Do you see it the same way in terms of um, capacity and uh, more mm. more demand than capacity? Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, there's always been this promise, right, where um, you know this demand was going to come. And, uh, and, and look, uh, we, when you see large corporations like Amazon and Apple and, and, uh, and, and so on and so forth, um, it's, it's, it's very, very clear that these, these are, these are mission-driven um, applications that actually need to get built. Uh, so, um, you know, it gone, gone are the days of the, the, the promise. And now it's, it's, as it always has been in our view, it's all about execution. And, um, you know, for the longest time, we, we, we just had Electron, we, we stated we were never going to build a, a larger launch vehicle because uh, it wasn't obvious that this, uh, this demand was going to come. But the moment it became obvious that the demand was going to be there, um, we moved quickly to make sure that we're going to field a new vehicle in, in that time frame to, to really take advantage of, of, um, of the, you know, the, the requirement of so much launch. Of course, the demand's coming, but we're also seeing it's a shakeout, you could say, within the industry, given the fact that there yeah. were so many startups, so many folks uh, getting funding to go out and, mm -hmm. and start rocket companies, many of them, unfortunately, not successful, or at least not successful yet. Uh, do, you, do you see consolidation afoot? And do you see a situation where, you know, the winners are kind of now, Rocket Lab obviously being one of them, are, are now emerging in this new environment where less capital is, uh, is mm -hmm. available? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, there, there was a period here that was just totally wacky, um, where you know you have a, a, a PowerPoint and a shiny smile, and you could raise literally hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and you know what we're seeing is is kind of a, you know, as you say, a bit of a shakeout, where um, you know PowerPoints and promises now have to translate into execution, and uh, execution is way harder than PowerPoints and promises. And um, 
you know, we, I, I'm, I'm quite happy that there's a capital constrained environment. I mean, Rocket Lab is, uh, is generating, you know, a couple of hundred million dollars of revenue a year and, and uh, we have lots of cash reserves and, and um, a real company. So uh, we, we, you know, I think this is a good time for us um, because this is, this is where, um, you know, the, the sort out from, from the real companies to the, you know, to, to, the, to the hopeful companies really, um, re really happens. Yeah, and yet all the all the space stocks, all the so-called pure play space stocks, have been selling off, including Rocket Lab. And I realize stocks mm -hmm. bouncing now, you know, with the successful launch uh, from Wallops Island, but it's been pretty across the board in terms of investors, at least in the public market, selling out. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's been brutal, and I would say that there's there's no discrimination between uh, a company really that that is that is completely failed and uh, a company that's exceeded all its targets and. Um, at least for us, that's a, that's a little bit frustrating. But the great thing about public markets is, is ultimately they're very efficient and they sort out the winners and the losers. So um, I, I think it's a very, very, you know, kind of different time in the markets right now. And ultimately, in in the long the long term, um, you know, think things will get sorted out. But um, you know, I would say space as a sector has has taken a pretty pretty decent beating, as as is a lot of tech sectors. Let's be honest. Um, but I don't think it's helped by the um, you know. The, the large number of the space specs just not delivering on on what they said they were going to do. Yeah. Meantime, I mean, you're launching satellites and payloads to space. You're also helping to build them. Um, just talk talk to me about that business because it seems to me like there's a lot of opportunity for that to grow very quickly, and I'd mm. imagine it's pretty profitable, maybe higher margin business than mm. than launch services. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, um, we're really not good at names at Rocket Lab. That's why we name our launches kind of funny names, because we kind of acknowledge that we're not very good at names. And ironically, I shouldn't have really called the company Rocket Lab because two thirds of our revenue come from, as you point out, our space systems division where we're building satellites. But the company's vision was always to build rockets and satellites and, and ultimately provide services from space. Um, and it has been for a, for a long time. So. You know, we started building our space systems division back in 2019, and now we have um, you know something like 20 satellites uh, being manufactured. We have two satellites we're building for NASA to go to Mars. Um, you know, we're building uh, uh, you know 14 um, spacecraft for the the Global Star MDA Apple constellation. Um, these are like half ton minivan size spacecraft. These aren't you know cubesats. Uh, so, and then we have solar businesses and reaction wheel businesses, a whole lot of space components businesses. Um, but ultimately, you know, what we're trying to do here is provide an end-to-end -end service, you know, a one-stop space shop um, where a customer can come to us and not only can we uh, build their satellite, we can put it on orbit and in many cases even operate it. Have you been immune to supply chain issues? I mean, I have so many conversations with so many companies in aerospace and defense, and it seems to still continue to be an issue. I mean, is that is that the case with what you're doing? Uh, not not so much. Um, I mean, look, the supply chain team will, will, will tell me the opposite because I think they're incredibly active in in ensuring that the line never stops. But you know, we, we're so vertically integrated; it's literally raw billets of aluminum and carbon fiber in one end and rockets and spacecraft out the other. So, um, you know, we, we've had our fair share of, of running around, um, you know, sourcing chips and, and whatnot, but it, it hasn't impacted production in any way. And, you know, being vertically integrated, if, if there is a, a microchip that is, that is no longer available, like the design and R&D teams who built the piece of avionics in the first place are there. 
So, you know, to go and substitute a new component and go through all the file testing and reacceptance is, is not, not really, a, well, it's, it's, it's painful, but it's, but it's possible. Whereas if you're just buying a, a, a box off, off, you know, some, you know, uh, aerospace company, then you, you don't have that luxury, like you, you're completely reliant on them providing that box. So I'd say our vertical integration has really been the saving grace um, at, around supply chain issues, but um, we've been able to manage it really effectively. And how about the labor piece of it? I, I, it seems like there's so much more excitement now from young adults and students and people coming into the workforce uh, around this, this emerging space economy and, and this idea of commercial space. But I also realize that uh, it's a tight labor market right now. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and, and you can you can kind of complain about it or you can do something about it. And, you know, we run apprenticeship programs. Um, we have a space ambassadors program. Uh, we've been to, to, to hundreds of schools and there's thousands of kids signed up to our space ambassadors program. And, um, you know, right right back to primary school kids because you, you really have to, to get, in, get in early to change you know, people's perceptions and, and careers. So, you know, we, we do a lot in developing uh, new talent um, and, you know, we have PhD programs and, and so on and so forth. So we have, we, we, we really try and, um, you know, plant the seeds and, 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 uh, and water the shrub for sure. Uh, but no doubt it's, it's a tight labor market. I would say that it's, it's easing a little bit, um, you know, as, uh, you know, especially some of the large tech companies, um, you've seen pretty significant layoffs and software areas and things like that. So there are some areas that are that are starting to free up a bit, but it's fair to say that it's it's a it's a tight labor market. Um, but I mean th this is, you know, call me a recession cheerleader, which is probably not the right thing to say, but um, th this is this is where uh, you know the the, the, the companies are gonna that are, are going to be successful and the companies that ultimately not uh, are going to get sorted out this year. So I think that'll take a little bit of pressure out of the labour market, but um, like I say, no, no point in complaining. You have to you have to go and you know create new talent for the long you know the long haul. Um, space secular growth. I mean, it seems like everything we're talking about that this is going to be you know even if you were to see a recession, that um, this is an area where there's there there's money being put to work. There's you know talent being put to work. There's new technologies being put to work. Um, whether it's Rocket Lab or I guess looking at the industry as it does go through this, to use the word again, shakeout, um, it, it seems like it seems like the future is, and maybe I'm a cheerleader, but it seems like the, it seems like the future is um, very optimistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, um, historically, space the space industry has been relatively immune to recessions. In in some cases, it actually it actually grows um, for, for for various reasons. So. Um, so no, I mean it's, it's there's tremendous growth in in the in the sector, and I don't I don't see that that slowing um, at, at, at any time. And you know I've, I've been been working in the industry for a long time, and, and like I mentioned at the start, like there's always this promise of, of you know, large constellations and huge growth and whatnot, and, and we're, we're we're seeing that. Um, so uh, so no, I mean I I'm probably the cheerleader, cheerleader too, but I mean at the end of the day, um, I'm also very practical from an economic standpoint and um, you know every one of our business unit continues to, 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 to grow really really strongly and um, this, this and I would, I would say that we're, we're lucky because we kind of have a really good pulse on the industry because we you know we supply lots of components into uh, you know to lots of uh, satellites I mean last year we, we, we supplied you know the, the, the plan for the 
the space systems division was that everything that goes to space should have a rocket lab logo on it. Doesn't matter if we launched it, doesn't matter if we built it, um, everything that goes to space should have a rocket lab logo. And of all the addressable markets, you know, that we could tap into last year, 36% of everything launched had a rocket lab logo on it. So we get to we get to get you know get a sense of of the industry's pulse um, by you know how many orders for you know for long lead time items are being placed, and that's continued to grow just month on month, year on year. So we, we definitely definitely strong growth within the industry, which is which is exciting. But you know as I said before, it's 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 all about execution. It's fascinating. I, I am curious, given the fact that you do have your pulse on so much a, a, of the industry and you are supplying so many parts into so many different satellites, what you think of all the deal making we're seeing on the satellite side of the industry as well, because it does feel like everybody's coming together. Everybody's trying to bulk up. Everybody's trying to, um, you know, leverage constellations across uh, different orbits. Um, just your thoughts on, on where this goes. Yeah, I think that's a natural evolution, right? I mean, um, there's some capabilities that, that that aren't sustainable on their on their own, so they need to be augmented with other capabilities. Um, and you know, as uh, you know, as as the, the you know the wave of growth is is, is getting larger, and and especially uh, in that sort of you know 27 timeframe, I think, um, you know, everybody's posturing and positioning to to be uh, in the, the best position to to serve that. Rocket Lab being no different. Like if you look at the acquisitions we made, I mean, we came public and then did three acquisitions. I don't recommend that. That's incredibly painful. Um, but you know, it was it was the right time to to build that and and obtain that that critical capability to position ourselves um, to be uh, in, in the best place to you know to, to really take advantage of of the market's growth and and the opportunities that are in it. So I think I think that's 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 largely. Uh, what you're seeing is is a consolidation of the players that that uh, you know can't stand on their own two feet, and then um, a consolidation to to ensure that um, ultimately you're one of the winners at, at the end. Are you still acquisitive right now? Must or what? Sorry. Are you still acquisitive? Like uh, the fact I know you've 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 done a series of acquisitions, but mm. as you do see the prices come off of of some companies, and you sort of you see. Uh, you see maybe potentially in coming weeks, coming months, et cetera, um, some assets I would imagine hit the sale block. Would you be interested? Well, I mean, the way we, the way we think about acquisitions are very, very strategic. Um, you know, if you look at the ones we've done, they're all companies we work with for a year. They all have one thing in the common, 100% mission success. And that, that's kind of a bar that you need to be cleared. So, um, you know, if there's some, Distress assets that haven't proven that, then we're not going to be interested. Um, so, uh, so you know, the, the way we think about acquisitions is, is is very strategic, and quite often they're not for sale. Um, we we start that process, uh, but ne needless to say, we keep a healthy book of, of of things and things going on. So at any any one time, we'll be looking at two or three different companies. Um, but there's nothing uh, nothing yet that obviously in, in the last six months that we felt we needed to do, um, and um, but you know, it, it's an active part of of, um, of our plan, and we continue to you know to hope that we'll close more acquisitions here um, in in the, in, the, in the coming time. Yeah, I know. I'm talking to you a lot about business stuff and strategy right yeah. now, but yeah, I want to yeah. talk to you. <laughs> I do want to talk to you about vision. So last time you were on Manifest Space, we talked about Venus, and I want to mm. know how I want to know how that is uh, going. 
Yeah, well, Venus for us is, a, is an internally funded project. It's a life funding mission. Um, and, you know, it's definitely a, a nights and a weekends project. So, um, so it gets the least amount of attention uh, across the company. Uh, but it's yeah, very much a passion project. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's aimed at our, answering the biggest question in, in my mind for human races. Uh, are, we, are we the only ones out there? And I think while it's, it's, it's probably, you know, um, pr pretty sure that we're, we're not the only life form in the universe because the universe is very big, um, if, if you want to take a scientific approach, we have not proven that. And um, this is what the Venus Life Finding Mission is, is all about. And with the launch of our capstone mission to the moon uh, last year, we cemented um, and, and demonstrated that we could build a, a spacecraft that, that can you know, travel outside Earth's gravitational field. And you know that that spacecraft, our photon, lunar photon, right now is a few million miles away uh, from Earth and on its way to a heliocentric orbit around the sun. So um, we can get out there, we can go and explore planets, which is super cool now. Um, and you know the Venus mission is is about can we get to Venus and and uh, super high risk, um, you know, super super um, uh, low probability. But uh, also, you know, something something I think is important to do is let's, let's get there and have a look in the atmosphere and and determine if there's life there or not. I think that would be a uh, a great thing to do, and maybe maybe we'd find it, maybe we would not. I think you know the chances of finding it are extremely low, but I think uh, it's it's a big enough and an important enough thing to give it a crack. What's your time frame? When do you think that happens? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're hoping to to launch this year. I think this that, that will be uh, be unlikely given how much you know real work we've got to do this year. Um, so we can't we can't divert any resources off actually delivering real customers payloads to passion projects. Um, but you know, we have uh, we have we have multiple opportunities there. There's there's um, a planetary alignments every couple of years. So um, you know, last year was a, a big milestone for us to demonstrate that we could build a spacecraft that could do it. And, um, and then, you know, this year it would be more about uh, can we build a probe and, and the various other pieces, uh, you know, to make that happen. So, uh, you know, don't, we don't have any firm timeline. Like I say, this is a, a very much a, a nights and weekends uh, kind of over a pizza fashion project. Oh, it's so cool though. So, so just finally, I want to ask you about, this has been, it's been another big, we're coming off another big year with a lot of technological leaps and bounds um, for space flight, space travel, exploration, or just the, tech, just the technologies themselves. Uh, mm. We've had, had these amazing moments. Um, and I'm just wondering what, if it's a technology, if it's a discovery, what you're most excited about or you think is like really the coolest and most meaningful? Oh, gosh, that's a deep question. Um, I, look, <laughs> uh, I, I would, and I, I can't really say anything else, but, but I mean, um, I, I think the, the neutron launch vehicle that we're developing is, um, is is wildly different to any launch vehicle out there. And if, if you if you look at what it looks like, um, you know it, it doesn't even look the same. Um, and uh, I, I think I think you know naturally we think it's going to be a, a successful product. But um, you know as that project starts to come together and we start to make hardware and we start to realise and all the things you write down on paper and you think can, or on the whiteboard and you think are a great idea. And actually see them starting to come to fruition it's going oh this, this is going to be really good so um so that that's that, that's probably i think the most exciting thing and and um look the the medium uh lift is, is well served uh right now um with a very reliable vehicle but it's there's one um so uh you know we aim to um 
them to bring something to market that will, will give that a run for its money. And uh, you know, it's it's designed from day one to be really, really highly rapidly reusable. And I think that's that that that's a, a fundamental difference um, that, uh, that that enable it to do some pretty special things. And you know, once again, in true Rocket Lab fashion, it's it's not like uh, a boring metallic tube. It's it's a funky looking carbon fiber thing that um, that you know has has a whole lot of new technology in it, but not new technology to be cool, new technology because it's fundamentally going to move move the ball. That does it for this episode of Manifest Space. Make sure you never miss a launch by searching Manifest Space wherever you get your podcasts, and by following the Squawk on the Street podcast. For more on the space race, be sure to watch Squawk on the Street on CNBC. I'm Morgan Brennan. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.